Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, another night of NBA playoffs, and how about that? Were you entertained by that? Because I really wasn't. I thought those were two blowouts. Milwaukee handled Miami pretty easily. They're up 2-0 now. First game went overtime, but second game, man, the Bucks got after the Heat in that game. And the Denver Nuggets, even their series with Portland at a game apiece, despite the fact that Damian Lillard went absolutely berserk in the first half. He had 32 points. He had 8 of 11 from 3. But he cooled off in the second half, and the Nuggets basically led by 10 to 20 points the whole half. It would be a little run from Portland. You think, this might get interesting. No, it really isn't. 10-point lead get pushed back up to 20. It just didn't. Didn't have it. Denver was in charge. They even the series up at one one. So if you think that's a six or game seven game series, you look pretty smart after the after they split the first two games right there. Jokic had it going too, so he kind of offset Lillard. And Denver's supporting cast was better than Portland's. Portland kind of struggled. McCollum McCollum made some shots, but. Uh, Denver in charge, and it's hard to go on the road and go up 2-0. Doesn't happen very often. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be able to do it. Honestly, I thought Denver's response was really good. You know, was it great? Was it perfect? I mean, we can argue and we can nitpick, but I think it was really good. They had a lead, a commanding lead. It wasn't flukish. They weren't really under pressure. Now, if you're playing Lillard and the lead gets down to 12, you got to be a little worried. You know, so it's not like it was a done deal and they dominated and they, they embarrassed and humiliated the Blazers, but they were in control. And they pushed the 12-point lead back to 18 before Lillard would make a shot or two, whatever. And that Aaron Gordon on Lillard in the second half, that, that made a difference. Bigger, taller, longer guy, it made a difference. So we'll see what happens in Game 3 and how the Blazers try to adjust to that. Can the Jazz respond tomorrow night the way the Nuggets responded Monday? I think that's an interesting question. I think the answer to it is yes. Of course, I thought the Jazz were going to win Game 1 without Donovan Mitchell. And that brings us to the main portion of this morning's show's <gasps> Basketball Without Donovan Mitchell. What happened? So, uh, credit the Jazz. It is easy to hide from the media these days. Many people do it. At times, possibly the Jazz do it. But... The fans really want to know what the heck happened. And so they made Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell available after practice, answered a lot of questions, local and national media on the calls. You're going to hear from Donovan later this hour. We're going to hear from Quinn right now. And there's stuff they don't want to go into. There's stuff that went down, and there's a lot of stuff flying around. And I don't feel like I've sorted all the way through it. Uh, I feel like some of the people who are talking to me don't know everything that happened. Um but it's clear it doesn't reflect well on somebody, which is why nobody wants to talk about it. And you're going to hear both Quinn and Donovan say, it's our job to look forward. Now, you can't really argue with that because they need to win game two. Winning game one was not good, or losing game one was not good. They needed to win that game, and they didn't. Um, but losing game one isn't that big a deal. Losing game two would be that big a deal. It would be horrible. Uh, it still wouldn't be over, but you'd have to win four out of five, and three out of five would be in Memphis. So they need to win this game. There's got to be a big-time sense of urgency. And they've got a chance to take control of this series. One game's not the end of the world. But they better go win game two. So there's truth to what they say. At the same time, nobody really wants to explain what went down. And it seems like there's two things that – well, there's three things that could have happened, and Donovan says one of them did not happen. He says he didn't have a setback. You know, if you get new information from Donovan – I've had a setback. It hurts. I was doing this and it, you know, it landed and it felt funny or I tweaked it or I rolled it, whatever, right? Donovan gives you new information. You have a new output. 
and, and the output is he's not playing, right? He wasn't on the injury report. He said he was going to go. He says there's no new information. Okay, so what does that leave? Either somebody changed their mind or somebody new got in the process. What else is there? Somebody changed their mind on the available information because Donovan says he didn't give him any new info. Or somebody got involved who hadn't been involved. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because when you don't put a guy on the injury report who's been on the injury report, you're open, and then you, and then you turn around and you do put him on the injury report. If nothing happened, you're opening yourself up to a fine. And what employee wants to do that? Now, the truth of the matter is they find these NBA teams $25,000. I was just reading a story that NBA games now, depending on the market you're in, are worth two and a half to $4 million. What is a $25,000 fine? It's a nuisance. Now, you don't want the league, you don't want to make the league mad at your boss, all right? So I still think people take it seriously, but a twenty-five dollars or $50,000 fine just isn't that big a deal. It's not good, but it's also not that big a deal. So who got involved? Who changed their mind? Who got involved? Who wasn't involved? What? They, they do not want to go into it. They're looking ahead, not back. I understand you have questions to ask, but we ain't answering them. So there's still a little bit of mystery out there. And if you don't believe me, listen to Quinn Snyder. Here he is with the media. Hey, Coach. Um, what went into um, what went into the decision to uh, make Donovan available for, for game two on Wednesday? And, and how do you guys expect it to affect, affect you guys on the floor? Well, you know, I, I think I addressed the process yesterday, but – you know, Donovan always wants to, to be on the floor. He's competitive and that's something that, you know, he, he's looking forward to, um, to the extent, you know, the process of, you know, assessing and ascertaining that, um, ultimate result, you know, is, is again, ongoing. And, um, as you know, um, and I think everybody's excited, um, that Donovan will be back. Uh, next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. And just with the various reports about, you know, Donovan being upset about, you know, being held out of game one, which, you know, you kind of alluded to with him being as competitive as he is. Did that require any kind of, you know, meeting today, any kind of getting together between Donovan and you and the training staff and or, or management or anything like that? Or, or was it just he was available for practice and deemed ready to go and everything's kind of settled? Well, I think after the way we played last night, um, you know, we, we always meet, um, watch film, guys are in the gym, you know, we're moving forward to, you know, what we have to do. And, you know, the, it, it's something that, that's whatever adversity a team goes through. Um, in, in this case, you know, if you want to characterize it as that, um, I think one of the things our players, Donovan especially, has been able to do throughout the course of the year, um, is to use that to kind of um, further galvanize and further focus. And that's where our focus is. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Quinn, I know sometimes you don't like to talk about the games until you get a chance to go back and look at it. What did you see uh, on your second viewing and, and what was different? Well, I think some of the things that I've mentioned, even, you know, going into the series is being important for us. You know, we didn't execute um, on the level that we need to. Uh, I think on the offensive end, we got we got stagnant. Um, you know, when the ball stops moving, you know, they become an even better defensive team because of their length. You know, you saw some of the plays that Kyle Anderson made. Um, 
you know, really all their guys, um, their physicality and um, that, that impacted us in our ability to, to take care of the ball. So again, I, I think those, especially the live ball turnovers, and we had some, some plays, some uh, possessions where, you know, we didn't turn it over, um, but we weren't able to get good shots. You know, I think Mike had to take a really couple really tough shots at the end of the clock. And I'll, although those aren't turnovers, um, they give, you know, your opponent um, a, a chance to run and put pressure on us in transition. So um, the defensive end, again, one of the keys for us has been all year and it continues to be. And it's something that, that we really have to focus on is to defensive rebound. And particularly when Rudy's, you know, tied up with Valanciunas um, in that matchup, you know, we've got to have other guys that are even more determined on the boards. And I thought that's an area we can do better. And then, you know, j just general things, whether it's, you know, defending John pick and roll, which I mentioned is, you know, it's not, not easy. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that we need to do a better job of some, some small breakdowns where we go under when we want to go over on a screen. Um, we're not shifted enough on the weak side and there's too much room in the paint. So a lot of little things that, that I think are execution oriented. Um, and then, then some other things that, you know, are broader reaching where you don't point, um, to one possession where it's more of a general thing that I think our whole team has to focus on. So we, we can't have breakdowns if, you know, you know, five guys each have one breakdown, that's five breakdowns. And that really starts to, to impact the game negatively, particularly in a playoff game. Um, I, I think Memphis too, that they came out uh, really focused. I think the games that they had played and the competitiveness of you know, those two previous games was something that was fresh on their minds. Um, you know, I think we have to raise our level in that sense. Drew Hill, the Daily Memphian. Quinn, Memphis, as mentioned, uh, they kind of like to muck things up, I guess, uh, in terms of, you know, the talk and the physicality of the game. Um, how do you guys sort of stay out of those situations um, when playing against them so you don't give them any fuel? Well, I think, you know, you need to use that. Um, and to the extent that those plays create distractions, um, you know, whether it's a technical foul, you know, there was one quarter at the end of the quarter where we weren't sharp and it cost us, you know, a three point play and, and, and then it's he. So th those types of momentum plays, I think there's a fine line, um, you know, between being emotional um, locked in, um, you know, just being gritty, um, and then not being focused. And so in those situations, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the play may be, um, I think you have to have more mental focus and put your energy where it can matter. Um, and then more determination during, during those situations as well. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. And at this point, who's overseeing Donovan's recovery? Is it the team staff? Is it Donovan's staff? And, and has that changed over the last month? Well, you know, I think there's a collaboration in that regard. And, you know, to the extent, Andy, that, you know, I've continued to maintain, you know, as far as the details of all those things go, I'm not um, – I'm thinking about coaching the team. And, you know, those things are happening throughout the organization. And, again, with – 
you know, the overarching philosophy that, you know, we want to do the best thing for the player and, you know, however, those, those things come to, um, the results come to pass, you know, those are details. I think that, um, are not things that I'm involved or privy to in many instances. So, um, my focus is, is the team and to the degree, there are certain things that, you know, you just, you move forward. And and that's, I, I think where we are right now, it's, you know, if you watch Ted Lasso, Andy, but sometimes, you know, your favorite, what your favorite animal is a goldfish because it has a memory of 10 seconds. And that's where we need to be. We need to be moving forward and thinking about game two. All right. Last you watch Ted Lasso, Andy? Of course I have. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> Should be required watching for coaches. <laughs> All right. We have one last question from Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. Hey, coach. Hey, obviously, um, you know, it, you guys aren't as great defensively when Rudy's not in the game and he got in foul trouble last night. I thought Derek Favors came in and do it to the stellar job, but how do you address the, the mid-range game of teams who aren't necessarily great three-point teams, but even throughout the course of the regular season, you guys maybe struggled a little bit with teams who are very good at that mid-range, making either Rudy or whoever was on the ball, uh, guarding the ball initially. How do you address that as you go through the series in the mid-range? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question, Thurl. You know, I think that there's some, you know, just like if, you know, when we, when we, I don't know what we went last night, you know, we shot, we didn't make our threes. Right. So um, some of it's a make or miss situation. Um, We had, you know, the top defense in the league um, by cleaning the glass. We had the second or third best defense in the league by NBA.com. So we, we did some things right as far as impacting shot distribution. Um, I think the thing that's important about the mid range is, you know, we call them warm up shots. You know, if you're giving up warm up shots, you know, the percentages on those shots um, go way up. Um, if they're contested um, and they're impacted uh, and they're not as deep, for example, Morant got, you know, he got whether it was, there's a fine line between, you know, long twos, you know, and being at the rim, particularly a team that um, that is so good at shooting, you know, floaters. Um, so th- there's things tactically that you know we we need to do, and and we've you know we've gone through that before. But there's there's most of the games we've had. Um, I choose to to not say we're giving up mid range shots. Is you know we're forcing certain shots um, that that we're we're better at guarding those shots um, than we are you know, other shots. So again, they're not things you necessarily want to give up, but to your point, you know, some of it's like, we're not going to stop shooting threes because we miss threes. Um, We're not going to stop, you know, I'd rather have a mid range shot than Valanciunas dunking the ball. And, but the aftermath of those, I, I think giving up, you know, offensive rebounds in those situations because we're not, you know, quite as alert. So I would say that there are some subtle adjustments that we need to make. Um, I don't need to get into the details of that right now, obviously. Um, but it's not something you're unaware of, but I, I think what you need to do is impact, um, impact those shots. So they're not warm up shots. Um, and then if, you know, hopefully they don't, don't make as many of them, 
um, you know, that, that, that's what impacts the game. So you don't want to necessarily give anything up. Um, you want to make everything hard. Um, and then when those shots are created, we want to do a better job of contesting them, making them difficult, making them, you know, take them a little further out, um, and not allow them as much freedom of movement, um, you know, in that area on the court. But, you know, part of it, Morant, you know, he can get a lot of places on the floor and that's five guys, you know, and we, we can't, you know, guard him um, with one guy. He, he's too quick. And in Brooks's case, that's, that's his game. You know, he can get to that spot and, and that's the shot he wants and he's making that shot. So um, we don't want to give him that shot. So some of it depends on, on personnel and, you know, we don't want to give up Bain's threes. You know, if Bain's shooting a mid-range shot, you know, I think we can look at all the numbers and say that's, um, that's a preferred shot for us, even if he does make it. So all that stuff I think gets um, more into personnel and understanding what certain players on the floor want to do and are really good at doing. So every game's uh, a little bit different, you know, every opponent, I should say. And, you know, we're aware um, of how important that shot is for us to defend and contest. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, we don't want Rudy guarding, you know, Morant out on the top of the key, you know, so um, there's a give and take there and we just need to do a better job. I think defensively in a lot of areas and that help hopefully will impact that. If we go, you know, over on a screen when we should go under, we go under on a screen, when we should go over, you know, that's when you end up with those shots being, you know, too easy and warm up shots. And there's a comfort, there's a comfort level in taking those shots. Thanks, Coach. All right, there is Quinn Snyder with the media. We are going to hear from Donovan Mitchell with the media later in this hour. But coming up next, Sixth Man of the Year, Jordan Clarkson. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Well, Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles, who's going to be the sixth man of the year? Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson meets with the media to talk about that right now. Well, thank you very much. And good evening, everyone. I'm Greg Silvestri. Uh, I'm the vice president of service operations at Kia America. And um, this is a really exciting day. You know, at Kia, we are true fans of the game of basketball and the NBA, having proudly served as the league's official automotive partner for the past 14 years. And during that time, both the league and the Kia brand have grown tremendously. Kia's on the move right now, and we're investing $25 billion to deliver 11 electric vehicles across the world over the next five years. And just as Kia is recognized for world-class performance and excellence in design, the Kia Performance Awards celebrate the NBA's top performers on the court. So today, um, I, although I wish I was doing this in person and live, today it's my distinct honor to present Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz with the 2020 and 2021 Kia NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. Congratulations, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's been a journey. Uh, you know, it's just part of the NBA career. I'm happy, uh, really excited. Uh, came as a surprise to me. Um, but, you know, it's a pay forward to, you know, all the guys that, you know, really won this war before me. Uh, happened to be one of my teammates, um, you know, Lou Williams. He was one of my teammates uh, as a Los Angeles Laker. Um, you know, really talked to me a lot uh, while I was there as a young kid uh, going through that transition of uh, moving to the bench and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford, all those guys that, that done it before me, J.R. Smith, um, you know, all those guys, two of them were my teammates. So, um, learning from them and and uh, going through that process of, uh, you know, really accepting this role, um, you know, put me in this place today. So I really want to thank them um, on on behalf of, you know, myself, my family and everything. Um, and, and, and the Utah Jazz organization uh, letting me be myself, um, really accepting me. Uh, coach put me in positions to, you know, be great as well as my teammates. So this is awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. I'll turn it over to Madeline now for a question and answer session. All right. Uh, so if anyone has a question, please go ahead and raise your hand and we'll go ahead and get started. Looks like the first question we have is from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Tony? Uh, hey, Jordan. Congratulations. Um, I appreciate it, T. Um, you, know, you know, this has been such a, a breakout season for you. What's been the 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 favorite part if you have like a favorite part of this season for you what's been the favorite part of this season for you and how has it affected you you know on and off the court um winning um uh, it's my first time really being on a a winning team and having a you know piece of it um and having a role in it um you know, we went to the I went to the finals with you know Braun and, and that Cleveland team, um, but I was still young. You know, working, uh, trying to get to this point to you know where um, I really understand the game and you know stuff like that. I still have a lot of room to grow, but um, you know the biggest thing for me is it's just been winning, um, and this this team is just amazing. Uh, how we bond together. I know it sounds kind of cliche that we always, you know, talk about it and kind of put it out there. Um, but, you know, having the, the teammates, um, coach and staff, I, I feel like you don't really get this uh, this opportunity to have uh, once or twice uh, ever. I think I've had it, um, you know, a little in Cleveland uh, where we were kind of, you know, a family and we kind of done a lot of stuff together. But uh, here in Utah with this organization, this team, uh, it's definitely a different feel. You know, I, I know that, you know, next man got my back. Um, and I think I've said it, uh, but these guys, I've been so open with them and transparent. Um, you know, they almost feel like family. So the winning and, you know, building this relationship with my teammates and, and everybody here with this organization, um, it's been, those, those are the biggest highlights for me. Uh, throughout this season and you know hopefully we come to uh you know what we want to get done uh, in this playoffs and that's win a championship um and compete for a championship um 
you know, that, that would be a, the biggest highlight of, you know, my year and especially after a tough year, um, you know, last year. So, um, you know, this is amazing. All right. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Jordan, I know you kind of try and take it one day at a time and you've talked about that, but you've also talked about how important Manu Ginobili is and JR and Lou and Jamal Crawford, these guys. What's it mean to you now that you are a part of that legacy and your name belongs with those guys? Um, it means a lot. You know, growing up watching Manu, said it before, you know, he's one guy that I really, you know, watched growing up and, you know, he really made this role uh, really cool to me. Um, you know, wanting to be like Manu, taking moves and stuff like that. I feel like uh, that was a big part. And then, you know, having a teammate like Jr., uh, Lou Will, um, and then even just having conversations with Jamal, um, you know, it's just kind of something they all kind of passed down to me. I remember uh, Lou, was, Lou was big on me um, in L.A. is slowing down and, you know, with life and everything just – uh, just giving me like so much knowledge that I didn't really uh, wasn't able to accept when I was a, uh, a, you know, a young player in the NBA. And, you know, I kind of would just be like, yeah, yeah, you just talking <laughs> old here, but you know, it, all the, all the stuff he, um, he told me, um, you know, really, uh, I really took it into account as I got older and, really kind of flash back and, you know, remember a lot with it, what he's told me. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, an amazing achievement. Um, and something that I'm going to embrace today. Like you said, I'm gonna live in the moment, but I know, uh, we got, we got bigger things ahead and, um, you know, I want to get something else done and, and bring a, a gold ball home for sure. Next up, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, how, how meaningful was it that Joe is the one that presented you the award? And I mean, he was so happy for you to win it despite also being in the running for the same award. Right. Um, I mean, that's amazing. You know, him being probably my, I would say he's, he's up there being one of my closest teammates. You know, we, we've sat in locker rooms where it's just been me and him. And, you know, I've had conversations with, you know, my personal life and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he sits across from me on the plane and uh, we hang out. We we drink beers together. We should come out with a beer company soon. <laughs> How many beers we drink on our off days. But, um, you know, it's just an amazing uh, thing for him because he's actually uh, later in his career accepted the role of coming off the bench um, and doing that, knowing that he's a starter and, a uh, big time player in this league and, you know, affects the games in so many ways. And, um, you know, him making that sacrifice late in his career coming off the bench, you know, it's helped me a lot, um, you know, going out there not having to fight all the pressures and, um, you know, everything by myself. So uh, him presenting me that award was amazing. Like I said, he's probably one of my closest teammates, uh, a guy that I, I'll never lose contact with. Um, I might buy one of his houses on uh, in Australia or something so I could just post up on a beach with him uh, after drink a few brews. <laughs> All right. Next, we have Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. JC, congratulations, man. And uh, 
let me say how ecstatic I am to see that you won this award. It may have been a surprise to you, but in, in my mind, no, nobody else's names, maybe other than Joe in the conversation. My, my question to you is, uh, from the perspective of someone who played that role himself, is uh, you talk about old heads back in my day uh, <laughs> when you were, when you were asked to play that role, there was a, there was a perception that it was a downgrade, right? Because, you know, you've made a name for yourself in this league. Um, and there may be other guys who were asked to do it and decided they weren't going to do it because a starter maybe gets more accolades, maybe is seen more, you know, talk about all-star game, so you talked about embracing the role. Can you give us kind of your perspective as to what your process was? You said you talked to all these guys who won the award. What was your, your thought process in embracing um, this role? Because in my eyes, on other teams, you could be a starter. And, so, and, and also, what kind of advantage does it give you? Um. I'll start with the advantage part. Um, you know, being able to sit there and watch the game, uh, you know, seeing, um, you know, what teams do to, like, uh, what their coverages are on, on like, Donovan and, um, you know, guys that Mike, uh, all the guys that are out there, seeing what the team does um, in those minutes, I really can get a feel for the game while I'm sitting down watching. I'm able to observe, you know, the first – well, like seven, eight minutes of the, of the game. And uh, it makes the game a lot easier when you're coming off the bench and to be able to make an impact uh, immediately for me, you know, on the sidelines, I'm, I'm staying warm. I'm doing something else uh, just so I could pick up the, um, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so there's no drop when I come in the game and that's from scoring, defending or anything. Um, so it gives me that time to, uh, you know, sit down and kind of process the game during that, that moment. Um, and I would say the process of, of me kind of accepting that role, uh, you know, it was hard, you know, definitely. Uh, I think I was maybe 23, 22, maybe 23. Um, when I think Luke Walton got the job and he told me that, uh, you know, I was going to come off the bench. Um, and yeah, you know, I kind of took it like, man, like <laughs> he don't think that I'm good enough. Uh, so you're going to play me off the bench and I got to prove him wrong. Like I got to get back in the starting lineup and everything. But, you know, like, like you said, talking to those guys and, uh, talking to my teammates and they just kind of like, you know, I was kind of hard headed and like, man, yeah, whatever. I'm not listening to you at first. It was definitely a process. Um, and you know what? I just said, no, this is, this is who I'm going to be. I'm just going to come in here. I'm going to impact the game with the minutes that's given to me. Uh, I'm going to play my role and, you know, I'm going to do it well. And, um, you know, I got to learn how to, and then it was a process when I got traded to Cleveland, I needed to learn how to really impact the game in terms of numbers wise, the shots I'm taking, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and it was a, you know, that was a, uh, like a wake-up call as well because I didn't play well in the finals uh, with Braun during that whole playoff series. I I was kind of, you know, out of there uh, mentally. But then I sat down again and, you know, scraped it and went to the drawing board and said, this is how, how we're going to do it. And, um, you know, I just want to thank all my coaches that helped me out. Uh, Steve Frankowski, 
uh, T. Lou was was big in that. Larry Drew, uh, Drew Hanlon, uh, you know Chris Johnson this summer, um, and then a big thing, you know, when I got here, Coach uh, Quinn uh, sitting me down and uh, really showing me the, uh, you know, shots I was taking and you know what he expected from me and uh, what he saw in me and you know expected out of me. So. I just took it, and like you said, it's all been a process, but I really accepted it. Okay, we have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune, next. Hey, Jordan. First off, congratulations on the award. Um, can you kind of take us through the uh, the TV show tonight? Because obviously it came, you know, Joe was in on the surprise, but, but you were clearly <laughs> not. Can you kind of take us through, like – what you thought you were doing there, what what you thought the point of being on the show was going to be, and then kind of your reaction in that moment, you know, when, when Joe points at you and hands you the trophy. Uh, first, we was – they told me earlier when we was at practice that me and Joe were kind of doing a thing because, you know, it's me and him, uh, you know, being finalists for the sixth man of the year. Uh, we're going to go on TNT tonight and talk about it, uh, us being teammates and how that – dynamic works and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Trey kind of set it up, uh, cause he said he was going to do this kind of earlier. Um, so he's kind of been, uh, brewing this a little bit. Um, and then I came and, uh, came here and, you know, I was really speechless. I don't really do well with surprises and stuff like that. Uh, you know, my, my family came, uh, my dad, uh, my mom, my stepmom, uh, my daughter, my girlfriend, my, my homeboys, uh, my my little brother, man. And it was just like, it was uh, like, like I said, it, it's just speechless for me just to have this surprise. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for everybody around me and I really just going to enjoy this moment. Uh, Niall Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Well, first, congratulations, Six. The nickname really works. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, <laughs> but just going back with your family being here, I mean, you, your entire family's here. The cheering section was going crazy for you last night. Uh, how does it feel to be able to uh, celebrate this achievement and milestone with them in person? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's dope. It's uh, definitely amazing. Um, you know, they've been with me through this whole process, uh, you know, as a family. Uh, we stuck together, stayed strong. You know, they've been through every moment, uh, really, of, you know, my life, my ups and downs. Um, you know, me being sad, going through, you know, a lot of stuff mentally. Uh, you know, they've just always been there to, you know, support me, have my back. Uh, for them to even, you know, be at the games, watching, supporting, um, seeing how far, you know, I've came as a man and, uh, as a player, as a as a human, it's just it's just a great uh, great feeling, and you know I'm going to continue to try to represent and and do great things. <laughs> All right, and we have one more question. This is from Simone Sandry at La Gazeta de la Sport. Yes, um, in in your career, did your mental approach change when when you started compared to when you were coming off the bench? And and also, is there more pressure coming off the bench and obviously being asked to be instant offense? Um, I mean, it, the approach had changed, uh, you know, being a starter, knowing that you're going to get, you know, a bunch of minutes and opportunities to kind of, you know, do what you want. But I feel like I've kind of always been the same player, uh, taking my shots, uh, been aggressive, 
um, you know, make plays. Um, you know, that's kind of always been my MO and uh, something that I still do. So um, in terms of that, I don't feel like I really change much. Um, but I know, um, you know, still growing in some areas, but I know when, you know, what I got to do when I step on the floor and how to impact the game. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like not much had changed uh, in terms of mentality of how I play. Um, it's always been aggressive and, uh, you know, trying to make plays and, you know, try to score the ball. There's Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year. Now, I realize there's like 50 different organizations or 100 different organizations that are going to give out sixth man of the year. But Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year. So that feels good, but I don't think that's his focus right now. He went 0 for 8 from the three-point line in the playoff opener. My guess is Jordan Clarkson is getting so locked in on having a better game, too, because nobody wants to shoot the ball like that. And he did. That's the way game one went. There's nothing to do about it, but there's something to do about game two. I suspect that is the deal now going forward. And going forward for us, the deal is Donovan Mitchell. He met with the media. What happened? How is he feeling? Could it possibly happen again in Game 2? We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media after practice. What the heck happened on Sunday? Who changed their mind? How did that all go down? Donovan a little surprised to find out that ESPN's reporting his training staff, his personal training staff, different than the team training staff, which, as he points out, isn't totally unusual. But was that part of the deal? Are they not on the same page? What's going on? Here's Donovan Mitchell with the media. I mean, obviously, it's no secret uh, what happened. Um, I think, you know, for me, my team, you know, I was definitely um, frustrated and upset uh, that I wasn't able to play. Um, I'm a competitor. I felt I was ready to go. I felt ready to go. And um, fortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, That was not um, how it happened. You know, I I was ready to go uh, when I spoke to you guys about 24 hours ago. Um, and they came to a decision that that's what it was. But the biggest thing for us is moving forward. Like we lost game one and we got to handle, you know, excuse my language, but we got to handle going forward. Um, so I understand it's your job as media and you'll ask me questions. Uh, but I wanted it to be known that we're moving forward as a group, as a unit, because we got stuff to handle and as a group and team and go out there and work on, um, our game plan and, and stuff like that. So, um, that's how I want to start off. All right. Thanks. We'll go ahead and start then with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Like you said, Donovan, it's our job. So I've got to ask what changed or were you told what the reason was between when you talked to us and when you were late scratch yesterday afternoon? Um, honestly, um, I was ready to go and then they stat didn't feel like I was ready. Um, that's, that's it, um, to be honest with you. Um, wasn't really more to it. Wasn't a setback or anything. Um, I was ready to go and compete and get out there. And unfortunately, like I said, that wasn't the case. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Don, was that a conversation that they had with you where they kind of, you know, asking about your status where did they just make that decision themselves and then, you know, tell you how they, you know, what decision they'd come to kind of, kind of how did that play out ahead of the game? Um, at the end of the game, even before the game. Um, yeah. So no, that was, I was told that that was the case. We, we, you know, we sat down and, you know, not always going to agree. Um, but that's what that was told. And so they stuck with it. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Donovan, can I ask you, like, is it testing? Are they asking you to run around and jump and they decided it didn't look good or, or what happened? There's a bunch of different things. Um, nothing that looked alarming. Um, I will say that, you know, I'm not dragging my right foot along. <laughs> um, but no, it was just a bunch of different things that, you know, they didn't feel I was ready uh, to go. And that's what it was. And, you know, we'll go out there and I'm clear for game two and we're looking to move on from it and go from there. Um, ready, ready to go out there and compete for, for game two. Tim McMahon, ESPN.com. Donovan, clearly you're, you're frustrated as a competitor who wasn't able to play. Were you frustrated with the process that led to the decision with the, the communication? Uh, how much did that factor into you being upset? Um, no, I, the biggest thing for me was I just felt, um, you know, that my, I felt like, you know, the biggest thing was that, you know, I felt like I should, I should have played. That's what, I mean, to be honest with you, I felt like that's, that was, it's no secret. We all know that. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the experts said no, you know, and I feel like we can, like I said, we can disagree on those things, but you know, that was the frustration, you know, it was, it was, it was unfair to, you know, my team, I was like, man, I feel like I let them down in the sense, you know, when you're not there for me to playoff game, um, that probably hurts me more than anything else. Um, it eats me. I barely slept because you think about that stuff. Um, so that was really for me where it ate me, uh, where, where it hurt. Were you shocked? I mean, the, it, it didn't appear there was any indication this was a possibility until. I mean, if you want to use that word, sure. I, I didn't expect it, but like I said, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not the expert. If they felt I wasn't ready, then that was the decision that was made and it happened, but we can harp on what happened. And when I say we, I mean the team, we can harp on what happened and we can move forward because we have, like I said, we have stuff to handle and agenda to get to um, as far as hopefully going out there and winning the championship. So, I spoke to my guys. We all spoke. We're, we're good. We're past it. And that's it. Thanks. Right. Uh, next up, Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV. Yeah, Donovan, uh, you talked about moving forward and, uh, you know, you got, got plenty to handle as you approach game two. What was the overall energy and feeling like at practice today coming off of uh, last night's performance? Um, definitely can't overreact. Um, I think you understand that it's a series, you know, they played well, you know, they came out aggressive. Dylan Brooks played well, John Morant finished down the stretch. They have, like I said, like I said before, um, they won eight out of 10 to end the season. Then they won the last two, something like that. And they've just, they found what they do well. So for us, we did a lot of things, not so great, you know, so you combine that and, you know, there's things we can look at and make adjustments. And that's the best part about the playoffs is, you know, we can make adjustments and go from there. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we didn't make shots either, which hurt, but you know, we, we have, we see things that we can definitely fix and, and adjust to and, and, and go from there, but you got to give them credit. They played well and they, they, they competed, you know, for the full 48 minutes. Dana Green, ABC four. Mm-hmm. Do you think they brought a level of physicality that maybe you guys didn't expect? I mean, they're obviously a physical team, but, uh, they really brought it to you last night. 
No, for sure. I think they definitely were physical in a bunch of things, trying to blow up actions, um, trying to deny stuff. And when it, when we turned the ball over seven, 17 times, 16 times, he playing into that, you know, and I think that's, uh, you know, kind of, they feed off of that, they feed off that energy. And then, you know, it's kind of like a, um, you know, those AU teams, like I got play basketball in New York city. Like there's AU teams like that, that press you the whole game and are physical and just want to get create turnovers. And they're that way in a sense and hats off to them for being energetic and continuously going out there on every possession. But, you know, for us, we got to stay sharp mentally, um, you know, and stuff, nothing we haven't seen before. We just got to go out there and execute. I don't think we did that to our best of our capabilities last night. Andy Larson, Sally Tribune. Donovan, the ESPN report said that kind of what happened over the last month was your your rehab changed at first kind of more in charge from the team point of view and then maybe more your personal trainers being in charge. Kind of, first of all, is that true? And then second of all, uh, you know, kind of if, if an injury or something does happen in the future, who would be, you know, how would that, how would that play out? Um. First off, hats off to whoever got that information. That's impressive. Um, that's very impressive. But yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, you know, it's, it's no secret. Guys have used their own people for sure. Um, I feel like we're working in conjunction with the team. It's not like a picking sides type deal. Um, <clears throat> I think that's that that was one of the, the best things about it. we started progressing forward and the collaborative effort. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's the team's decision to, to whether I'm clear or not, you know, and I feel like that's, that's the message. Like, that's it, you know, and we, they, they we chose to, they chose to say what wasn't clear and good to go. And that's what it was, but um, that didn't play a role into uh, uh, if you're trying to say if that's, I don't know what ESPN said, but if that's um, that didn't play a role, but that did, that did happen. It's not, um, it's normal for, for players to do that. Um, so it's not like a foreign, a foreign thing. Uh, Drew Hill, Daily Memphian. Donovan, after watching the game last night, is there an area specifically you think uh, where you'll be able to make an impact on this matchup? And do you expect you're going to have to shake off some rust after, you know, missing all that time and then trying to jump into the middle of a playoff series? Um, well, first off, you know, I think the, the turnovers were the biggest piece. You know, whether I'm there or not, we can't turn the ball over 16 there's a 16 times. I think for me, just alleviating that pressure, you know, Dylan Brooks is a hell of a defender. Um, like I said, they're a physical team and just being able to alleviate some of that, I think will generate open looks. And like I said, we missed a lot of open looks last night. We missed a lot, you know, even with our 16 turnovers. So it's nothing to be like, I'm going to come in and just change everything. You know I mean? There's a lot of things we did even when I was out that we did really well. And I think that's the biggest thing that we should look at as a team. We did a lot of things really well in our small mistakes or what led us to lose game one. Uh, I'm just going to come out there and just do what I do, what I do, you know, at the best I can and kind of go, go from there. Uh, but I'm not, not looking to, to just go out there and just try and change everything. One man solo show, like this is a team thing. And we've been out there doing this all year. Um, and I think that's, that's the best part about this team is it's not just one guy. It's a collaborative effort, collaborative group. And we're going to go out there and do every can uh, to win game two and win the series. Sam Amick, The Athletic. Donovan, good to see you. You you mentioned the dynamic with the team medical staff and your people, and I just kind of wondered, to be clear, did your folks feel like you were ready to roll or was there agreement from those two sides? And and second quick follow-up is, it's not ideal, I think you would agree, to have a guy of your stature this frustrated at such an important time. I mean, you talk about moving on. Are you pretty confident that in terms of the, the internal dynamics, you guys can move forward right away? Yeah, I mean, we had a meeting with the team. I talked to the team myself, and I said, look, guys, like, I talked to just my teammates. I said, look, we're in here together. 
Um, I don't know if I should have shared that, but that's what it is. We're in here together and I want them and I want my teammates first before anything else to understand that that's what it is, you know, and at the end of the day, it was made to be a big thing, which is, like I said, your job. That's what you guys get paid to do. And I understand that, but we're here to win. We're here to win games. And I couldn't be out there to do that. And I was frustrated. Uh, as simple as that. Um, it was all, I, I felt like I was ready to play. Well, signs were pointing me to play and then I wasn't. Um, that's what happened. I don't really know. Like there's no intern, like that's what happened. And we're here and we're going to move on from this and focus on game two. Cause if we sit here and worry about that, then we're not focused on the task at hand and we're playing a really good Memphis team. And that's what we got to go out there and find a way to compete and, and go out there and win. Thank you. Uh, Thurl Bailey, Jazz TV. Hey Donovan, obviously, uh, you know, your presence makes a huge difference on this team. Um, Knowing that you're ready, do you feel like there's going to be any type of limitations, minute restrictions, or anything like that based on uh, how you feel you want to contribute to, on Wednesday? Um, it's a conversation to be had. Um, I mean, if anybody plays, they'll tell you, man, I want to play the full 48. Like, that's, that's anybody. You know what I mean? But um, I'm going to go out there and just play every minute that I can, you know, whether we have one or not. You know, I won't share if we do because we haven't had that discussion, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Thurl. Uh, but I'm ready to go full bore, you know, if needed. So um, it's playoffs, you know, at the end of the day. But, you know, understanding that you got to be smart with my body, too. You know, understanding that. Because right. seeing in the past, and we all have seen it, that the guys kind of push it and then you end up, making it worse. So you got to be smart with it as well. And that's a conversation we'll have collaboratively as a group and, and go from there. Thanks, Donovan. Thank follow up from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, all, all indications were that you were going to play in game one. So I, I'm wondering, is there any fear that the same thing would happen for game two? <sighs> no. All right. And next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, you mentioned that uh, you'd had a meeting with your teammates saying, you know, you guys are in this together. Did you have a meeting with the coaches or training staff or management or anything to kind of dissect and, and, and evaluate the process of how things went down yesterday? Was there any kind of follow up today to kind of go over what had happened and, and how that process evolved? Uh, no, I mean, the only follow up was really to clear me. Um, and just go from there. And that was, that was pretty much it. Um, no, there's no big organic like discussion. There was no big thing. Like this is the playoffs. We we're focused on one goal. You know what I mean? This is not the time for all that. Um, and I think the biggest thing for us is we're going to go out there and try to win the championship. Um, I just want to make sure the guys that I'm going to battle with every day, you know, I think I took that personally when I was like, look, like I want to make sure we're all on the same page and that doesn't change because at the end of the day, you know, we have phones, we have Twitter, we have Instagram and this has been everywhere. So it's, it's, it's one thing to kind of let it linger and fall. You can just go ahead and kill it from the jump. You know, and that's what I wanted to accomplish with my team meeting. And it wasn't even really a meeting. It was really like a few sentences and that was it. Um, but I wanted to accomplish that, but you know, it's playoff time and all the other stuff is, is whatever. All right. There's Donovan Mitchell answering some questions, but leaving the bigger question, what the heck happened before game one still out there in the air, just kind of hanging there. And I don't believe any Jazz fan has a completely satisfactory answer. Uh, Go win game two will make people feel better. So we'll see if the Jazz are able to do that. What is trending? Coming up next. Stay with us.